0: This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathard. Johnson does not understand that. If he understands giving tax breaks for private planes more than he understands making sure that seniors who've worked all their lives
1: are able to retire with dignity and respect. Is that Obama? He's not the person who's thinking about you and knows you and sees you, and he should not be your senator from Wisconsin. Holy cow, I've never heard our former president, Barack Obama. That lively, that angry. That's, he's, he's mad. He's angry. Uh, And maybe part of the problem. Good morning. Welcome to the show. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather, joined by Stephanie Bell, Mr. John Marsh, producer Hannah, and Andy Humphrey is in for Brian Houseworth today. Glad you could be here. We saw some of this horrible, uh, what happens in politics Uh, when it just continues to get worse and worse and worse and worse. As a matter of fact, we know what happened a couple of days ago. Um, And this just bothers me. Luke Bryan, country music star, is on stage doing a concert in Florida. Invites Governor Ron DeSantis on stage. We're
0: going to have some fun and we're going to raise some money tonight for the great state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Governor Ron DeSantis
1: So, Luke Bryan, country music star, doesn't he do like? Does he judge one of those TV shows too? Seem like a judge? No. Uh, The Voice. The Voice. Does Uh. he? Uh, So Luke Bryan, he brings Governor Ron to on stage. And you heard him say, hey, we're going to have some fun. We're going to make some money for charity. Uh Luke Bryan gets eviscerated on Twitter from progressives who just wet the bed because he invited the governor of Florida. And the guy was raising money for hurricane relief. Luke Bryan, to his credit, he gets on Twitter, basically says, I don't respond to y'all on stupid stuff like this, but I'm going to now basically screw you. Uh, we're doing this for charity. And I was raised, hey, when you're in a situation to help people, you do it. Uh, but I'm wondering, is it stuff like this that people get afraid to talk about their political ideations, whether you're talking about a potential candidate, whether you're talking about the president, whether you're talking about an amendment issue, uh, I want to bring in. Aaron Norman, Aaron Norman, Lee Family Fellow and the Senior Messaging Strategist at the State Policy Network, did a really cool piece, and I love this. Matter of fact, I think, uh, uh, um, Breitbart picked it up, uh, or excuse me, uh, the, uh, the Drudge Report and also The Hill. It's called Why Americans Are Concealing Their True Political Beliefs. Aaron, we want to welcome you into the, uh, show. So w- why, why is it? Why? Do we get in some situations where people just don't want to talk about their political beliefs?
2: Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad you asked that. The What people are doing is they are shying away from the divisiveness that we get in politics today. It's no longer enough to say, I disagree with that or have a, a civil debate very quickly the situation jumps to the one that you described, where immediately people go to, you're a bad person, how could you possibly do this, you're terrible, or having beliefs that are just different than their own, and a lot of times those beliefs are misunderstood because of how they're characterized in the mainstream media. There are only a few narratives that flow around, and people kind of latch on to
1: them so one of those narratives like uh if i am uh in favor of clamping down on illegal immigration i'm painted as a racist it's that's kind of, one of them. Yeah, that's one of them. Or if you're this, it means you're that. If you're this, it means you're that, none of which is true. But people get into situations where then they're kind of maybe afraid to um, talk about uh, some of this stuff. So is is this in effect in what you're saying in your piece, why Americans are concealing their true political beliefs? Like, is it kind of, is it that simple people are saying one things in their circles, in their social circles, but then maybe like at the poll eight days from now voting differently than what they've been talking about?
2: Exactly, and there's a really good new study from a think tank called Populous that measured this specific phenomenon. They had a really clever methodology where they were able to survey people and ask them about a number of contentious issues and then also to get a gauge of what they felt privately about those issues. And you had really big differences on a number of topics that are hot-button issues right now, whether or not America is at its core racist, the effectiveness or usefulness of masking to stop the spread of COVID-19, things that have been big fights. And what they found is that people are concealing their true opinions in public, but that those opinions still manifest, those private opinions still manifest themselves, such as at election day, or if something's an issue or a policy seems like it has a lot of support, but never takes off, it's because maybe it has less support than it seems.
3: Well, and I think this is really interesting and it goes back to something I think that we've talked about a lot here is the polling. And so Trafalgar talks about submerged voters and how when called, a lot of people won't respond accurately or won't respond at all to people asking them questions about how they're going to vote. Do you think this is in line with the populist study?
2: absolutely and that is a well-documented phenomenon within polling that certain groups of people respond less there's less trust and so pollsters are trying to correct for that it's a known entity and they're working on it but at this point in time everything is just a little bit experimental in in horse race polling or ballot test polling so It's one thing to look at the polls and say, great, I know what's going to happen. But in reality, you probably don't. It's probably off by three or four points.
1: Let me uh, ask you this, uh, Aaron. So I'm going back to uh, the SCOTUS decision earlier this year as it related to abortion. What we saw, there was a red wave and then all of a sudden there wasn't a red wave anymore anymore. And we saw specifically conservative politicians start to kind of fudge on the issue of abortion. They would ask, your thoughts on abortion? And instead of giving their opinion on abortion, they would say things like, it's a state's issue. Or instead of saying, I'm against it, any circumstances. There was a lot of tempered language from a lot of Republicans around abortion. And maybe I'm stretching, but to me that's, let's say they always believed that there was not a big issue with abortion. But they had to do it because that's what the party line said, right? I'm a Republican. This is what I'm supposed to say about abortion, even though I'm not feeling that passionately about it. But now maybe they feel more open to really talk about how they feel about some of these issues. Or am I am I stretching? Am I way off base?
2: Uh, there was definitely, there were definitely ebbs and flows as that decision came down from the Supreme Court. It's a little hard to tell exactly the effect that had versus just the general economic conditions so gas prices dipped a little bit in the summer things looked like they were going to get better at the same time that decision came down and so picking apart what was really driving things became difficult it's fair to say that as the republicans are on the upswing now in the polls and you see as we get closer to election day and it looks like they're going to do pretty well that some of the fear of masking those opinions drops because it looks pretty good for them at this point.
1: Yeah. And so I don't know if like a lot of the Republicans, they felt like they could now be more honest about their opinions on abortion or if it was just political, uh, politically, um, um, uh, fortuitous for them to do something like that. Our guest, Erin Norman, written a great piece. You can find it on the Drudge Report and the Hill. It's called Why Americans Are Concealing Their True Political Beliefs." She's joining us this morning here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri.
0: Erin, talk to us a little bit about the whole generational angle of this. Is You know, gee, groups like millennials aren't getting any younger. And with that, their opinions can change, I guess. Right.
2: There was a great nugget in the populist study where they asked about how much influence or do people think that parents should have more influence over public school curriculums and there was a big gap for millennials who are now I think we all think of them as this youth generation but they're now pushing 40 and have kids um, and so there's a huge gap there where publicly they're more likely to say no parents shouldn't be involved in that that more liberal let the experts take care of it mentality and then uh privately they are 26 points more likely to say that parents should have influence over public school curriculum so there are real generation gaps on some of these contentious issues but things change as people move through different life stages and encounter different things
1: That's interesting. So the millennials, now that they're experiencing some of these important things, are going, oh, yeah, what happens in the schools does matter. It's not just people complaining about, uh, you know, a cross-dressing story hour or something like that where I just thought everybody was being mean. Now that I've moved into the age where I'm a parent and I have kids going to the schools, oh, my gosh, this stuff really matters now. And so they're changing their tune or being more honest, I guess, about how they feel. And it's
2: not, it's not just millennials. We looked at the 18 to 28 age gap and there was a statement tested in the study that CEOs should take a public stand on controversial issues. And publicly that 18 to 29 group, 37% of them said, yes, CEOs should take a public stand on controversial issues. And privately that drops down to just 25%. Even the public figure there is a minority, and what we're seeing is that because people are afraid or hesitant to talk about their true beliefs, vocal minorities end up driving the narrative. And the best way to combat that is to be open to people with different point of views and to be open to having respectful debates. So people realize that their views aren't that different than the average American.
3: It kind of reminds me of the famous line if you're 25 and you're not a liberal you have no heart and if you're 35 and you're not a conservative you have no brain. <laughs> Someone reminded me of that this weekend and I was like, yeah, your views do tend to change as you get off mom and dad's payroll and you have to start paying <laughs> paying for some stuff yourself or you become a parent yourself. I think people do tend to get more conservative, but it's it's is there any um Is there any discussion about location? Because I think in some, Brandon mentioned the Packeter meeting, but obviously, you know, we get comfortable, we get around people, we think we have assumptions and maybe, you know, be and feel more comfortable and are open there. Um, I mean, was there any discussion about, you know, where people are more comfortable or how and when they do feel open to sharing their true beliefs? There was
2: a little bit of um, data on this in the piece I wrote for The Hill where I pulled in some work from psychologists that say when you're with solid friends, true friends, people in your life you really trust, that is the best place to have these open discussions. That's where debate and information sharing and persuasion is gonna happen But what we see today is that a lot of people don't have those solid relationships. They have relationships that are really surface level and based only on hey, I have fun with you. You don't challenge me. This isn't uncomfortable. But there's absolutely no room for challenge or growth in those types of relationships. So where you can have those discussions and really be yourself and talk about your true beliefs are where you have really solid friends, family relationships in your life. And that's something that is less common than it used to be unfortunately
1: Of course, it's, it's like uh there's some jokes like i have a good friend stewart and there's some uh, jokes and some things i'd say around my good friend stewart that i would never repeat in front of my other good friend stephanie bell <laughs> because it's different you know different yeah. different audiences and i'm more comfortable uh but that's different that's jokes it's not politics i
3: think she's also saying we're not going to have like reasonable discourse in places like twitter Right, yeah. <laughs> probably,
2: probably not, not. There, because there are no relationships there, the trust isn't there, the duty to be yeah. civil isn't there in the way it is with people you know in your real life that you see at the mailbox or at the bus stop every day.
0: Yeah
1: fascinating aaron norman lee family fellow and senior messaging strategist at the state policy network uh has a piece why americans are concealing their true political beliefs picked up by the hill also the Drudge report and i imagine other places um fascinating read before we let you go i'm just curious we're eight days out from the election and i don't uh, i i don't know what the big issues are exactly where you live what congressional district I don't know any of that stuff about you, so I'm not asking who you're voting for. My question to you before we let you go, Aaron, is do you know absolutely when you walk into the polls eight days from now, do you know how you are voting on every single thing where you live? I do, yes. Okay. All right. That's all we needed to know. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Thanks for having me. All right, fun. It's great piece. Coming up five minutes from now, uh, Morning Bell, business news, little twist that only Stephanie Bell can give you. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert.
2: The PBS NewsHour. We're what your grandma is talking about when she says, I saw this on the news. <laughs> with the midterms less than two weeks away, Republicans appear to be surging. With a strong closing message from candidates who have gone from underdogs to stars of the Republican Party.
1: So when pop culture starts picking up that, hey, Dems are going to lose their rear ends in the midterms in eight days, then you start, at least I do, I start to feel just a little bit better. Good morning, 828. Time for the Morning Bell Business News with that little twist that only Stephanie Bell can give you. Good
3: thing we're doing rapid-fire business news today. Oh, no, I messed <laughs> up there, man. No, but uh, Friday, uh, I figured with all that Hannah likes to talk about, McDonald's with the adult Happy Meals and the McRib, McDonald's stock hit an all-time high. So they've been doing these, like, fun things, and it's paying off for them. So I love that. Other news... Uh, this week, uh, we expect the Fed to raise their rates uh, 75 basis points Wednesday, so we'll be watching for that. Friday, uh, we get the October jobs report, so we'll be watching for that, too. And Tuesday, uh, New York is implementing a new law where if they post any jobs, they have to yeah. post a salary range. What do you think about
1: that? I don't know. I don't like that at all because I don't like when the government says, you, if you're a private employer, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do that. Now, as a job seeker, I might find it helpful occasionally to see what those were posted. Um, what
3: would stop you from posting just like ten thousand to two hundred thousand, yeah. depending on
1: qualifications? Here's the range, man.
3: <laughs> I'm sure there's something in the law that says you have to like actually make a reasonable effort. I think it is helpful. I mean, you got to be on the same page. And as an employer, it, it's terrible to you know. It...
0: This is Wake Up Mid Missouri with Brandon Rathart. But on the side of the box, I remember this on my Superman costume. It actually said, "Do not attempt to fly." <laughs> They printed that as a warning because kids were putting it on and going off the roof. I love the idea of the kid who's stupid enough to think he actually is Superman, but smart enough to check that box before he goes off the roof. Wait, let me see if it
1: says anything about me being Superman. Oh, wait a second here. Of course, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, good morning. Welcome to the show. Weather tonight for Trick or Treat should be pretty good. So I know it kind of looks eh right now. Uh, and Drizzle should be coming to an end probably before lunchtime today and some sunshine, I guess about, uh, what is it, 6.30, 7 o'clock tonight when the sun goes down, It'll be about 60 degrees for Trick or Treat. And by the way, daylight saving time uh, this coming weekend comes to an end.
3: Where's Brad Trenago when you need him?
1: Uh, We'll call, do our our regular call into (laughs) State Representative Chuck Basie, who for, I guess, eight years now has been working on the Brad Trenago Act of 2015. That's how long, seven years we've been working on that thing.
3: Well, the Senate passed something, right? So it could be going away next year? Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Uh, That was in the U.S. Senate, where they did do something that would make it... The thing with Missouri and daylight saving time is... You got to get all the other states. You got to get Arkansas, I guess, Oklahoma, and Kansas, and Iowa, and Illinois, what in Tennessee and Kentucky also uh, touch us a little bit. So you got to get all these states on the same page. I could care less. I think it's silly that people throw such a big fit about it every year.
3: You don't have small
1: children. I don't have small children. Uh, so there is, there is that. I know people say, well, you know, that, and isn't it like after the switch, after we switch our clocks, that there's an increased number of heart attacks, increased number of car accidents. I think there's a lot of things actually that you can trace to that you can look at saying, Hey, look at what happens after we switch the clocks. Um, and I get it. People are really, uh, passionate about it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm it's not
3: just annoying.
1: I, yeah, it's <laughs> annoying, but it's.
0: You know they put they put lights on tractors now, folks. You know and GPS. They can they can work after dark. When that the initial deal with that, so, I, so
1: the, make uh, yeah. a longer day for the ag people. So <laughs> here we're seeing, here's the thing. When my uh, uh it, even my first job in radio was in Delphi, uh, Indiana. Well, actually, there's a high profile um, case that's been happening. You're familiar with this, Hannah?
4: Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a big true crime nerd. Okay. And I'm anxiously awaiting this morning's press conference from those guys.
1: So I lived. that was my first job in radio. Carroll County, Indiana. When we did news the old-fashioned way, you had to walk into the courthouse, walk to the police station, get all this stuff. But there's a high-profile case, a couple of missing girls, been going on for several years at this point.
4: Well, so there were two girls. I want to say they were like 11 or so. Um, they were actually murdered five years ago and they have not been able to find the person who did it there was almost no evidence in the case but they announced a couple days ago that they have arrested someone in the case and they have a press conference Mm. this morning i i believe they're announcing the charges that he's facing Or they're officially naming him as a suspect or something like that.
1: So that town, where that's happening, that was where my first job in radio was. Uh, More pigs than people and fields of... I mean, our radio station was almost literally in a cornfield. And where we were in Indiana, like, some counties did take part in daylight saving times and some didn't. Uh, And it was really odd, but... One cool thing about it is because of where Delphi, uh, Delphi, Monticello, Indiana was, like halfway in between Indianapolis and Chicago, you'd get both uh, cable feeds. And Indianapolis was on Eastern Time, Chicago was on Central Time, so like Cheers, you could watch twice in one night. That's how long ago this was. The Cosby Show, you could watch that twice in one night. But the other thing that I always thought was fascinating is every year when I had to take my old tape recorder out and go talk to a farmer about daylight saving time, about is Indiana ever going to get on board, and you would have the farmer saying, well, I'm in farming, and I got to, you know, we need the more daylight here, and we need, it, we need it there. And I would try to explain, like, you know, we ain't taking the daylight away. Everybody knows this, right? It's still going to be the same amount of daylight and not everybody knows that <laughs> i for real and i think even here there's some people that don't understand like we're not just filling up a meter put in more daylight it's mother
3: yeah well and i mean for folks too like i mean we're, we're becoming a more global economy as well and you're talking like county to county and you know just across the u.s whether people participate well it's different also internationally so you know you're used to like a certain country being you know plus six or plus eight or whatever and they have different rules so it just it it's a headache now that you know we all communicate more regularly i would just rather know the time is the time is the time
1: yeah uh heck i say we even get rid of time zones here in america it's
4: oh boy no
1: (laughs) all right just shot oh welcome into the show uh diane c stephanie bell is uh here she's decked out in her halloween outfit today uh you can see
3: outfit a costume maybe
1: costume outfit <laughs> uniform it's got a
3: cute um usa patch on the back see oh. i tried I to have like combat boots which are coming back in style can you see them
4: i tried to tell stephanie this morning that we probably could have convinced you brandon that she was just wearing a new outfit and you probably <laughs> would have believed that it was like the latest fashion trend
1: I probably would
4: have.
1: True. I know. I mean, oh, that's what, uh, that's what they're doing in Degeneration Z now,
3: huh? <laughs> I am a millennial. I'm Elder sorry. millennial.
1: Degeneration millennial. Uh, <laughs> thank you, John. I like it. He's always so polite to you because he'll look at you and, and he, won't, he won't laugh, but then he looks, he's like, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. Uh, Roy Blunt was in town over the weekend or actually in Columbia. Uh, the last thing that he said, walking out. So he's he's done. He'll be done. What January twentieth? Uh, he'll be done in his official duty. Eric Schmidt, our current attorney general, will be sworn in as the next senator. Josh Hawley becomes a senior senator. But Roy Blunt, speaking uh, at uh, Mizzou over the weekend, giving a lecture, kind of talking about his time in uh, in office and what he would do next. I don't know what he'll do next. What do you do? Become a lobbyist, spokesperson for some kind of lobbying firm? Teach, teach. In public
3: policy. I mean, I think think he's going to continue probably on the victory lap for a little while longer. They've been naming things after him and celebrating his service, and I think he'll be doing that for a bit.
1: I did not, uh, or maybe I did know this, but I forget until it comes up every time. In 1984, Blunt was elected as Missouri's first Republican Secretary Mm -hmm. of State in over 50 years. It had been the 30s.
3: Man. An incredible career.
1: Uh, Here was the last thing he said when he left the audience on Saturday at Mizzou. He said, quote, it would be better to leave this place a little bit early than to stay late. I love doing it. Because
3: you said that to Joe Biden. <laughs>
1: uh Joe was at it again this weekend, by the way. He got fact checked on <laughs> Twitter.
4: Is it what I'm thinking of?
1: Uh is it uh the, the um
4: it could be any number of things really.
1: Yeah. He's he was saying something about his uh the the, the Inflation Reduction Act, which you know what the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't do?
3: doesn't reduce inflation he
1: was talking about something like that and people on twitter on the elon musk twitter um politely got on there and gave him some free fact checks which one are you talking about
4: um his claim about states oh Oh, (laughs) 52
1: states or something uh
4: 54
1: yeah
3: if you're the president of the united states
4: shouldn't you know it's not a good look
1: well, but you know what? So what? So so John Fetterman's not a good talker. He can still hold office. So Joe Biden doesn't know that there's only 50 states in America. It doesn't mean he can't hold office. That's what those people say. So he doesn't know how many number of states there are. So what? Who cares? He
0: he's just trying to count Puerto Rico. <laughs> oh, gosh. By the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in, in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. <laughs> then Yikes. Today, the most common price of gas in America is $3.39, down from over $5 when I took office.
1: It's $5 a gallon.
0: <laughs> that's a nope. That's just, phone. that's
3: wrong.
4: Meanwhile, the diesel reserve yeah. has like, what, 18 days left?
3: Well, I ha- this is a personal problem for me. We ne- We need to figure this out. Do we have a plan of action for this?
1: I don't. I got nothing. (laughs) I don't drive a diesel. Be pushing the trolleys.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Can someone tow? I just need like a tractor and we'll just tow them behind it.
4: What do you think the tractor runs off of? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Get some horses. Electric. We need some.
3: Oh, did you? The horse-drawn carriages are coming back to Columbia. Did you you see that? Well, Well, yeah, because have you seen gas prices? (laughs) I think that's really sweet. Other cities do that. I've always, I've thought it so romantic. They do it in like Christmas movies. No one's ever taken me on a horse-drawn carriage. I think it would be cute.
4: Chris Bell, if you're listening. Right? That's what Stephanie wants for Christmas.
1: Uh, there's a great piece, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Despite new battery factory, Missouri's getting a battery factory in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Millions of dollars uh, for the development of, uh, of batteries for uh, electric vehicles. But I think they're kind of taking a jab. Uh, the writer of the article, Kurt Erickson, taking a jab at Parson because, thank goodness, uh, for the most part. Now, there is an effort underway. MoDOT is installing, uh, I believe, uh, they're in the process of starting to put in more uh, electric charging stations across, uh, across roads in all of Missouri. Despite, I think last I checked, less than 5% of vehicles in Missouri were electric vehicles. They're taking a dig at Parson because we're bringing in this new battery factory into Missouri. Uh, but nobody in the state, so there's not this big movement underway in the state. For example, like city of Columbia, electric buses, uh, propane powered buses, this and that. But the state, they're not pushing. They're not saying, "Hey, we all of our electric, uh, all of our state vehicles need to be run by electricity." By the way, did you see this? Uh, the Dodge Challenger and Dodge Charger, for sure. Uh, so we'd heard a couple of months ago they weren't going to be making those muscle cars anymore. The Dodge Challenger and Charger, they were still going to make them, but not with gasoline engines. And that, like, that's almost like a, uh, the, the creator of those Christmas specials dying. The person who created those great Christmas specials, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. And, um, and
3: that person know. is? Jules Bass.
1: Bass and they're not
3: claymation they're stop motion animations
1: stop motion animation uh so they're not making the Dodge Challenger in charge well they're still going to make them except it won't be combustion engine it's going to be electric uh,
3: are they the ones that they put the stereo system in that it then it like it plays music or plays the engine sound i think that'd be good
1: which b- blows me away that and and you can get those uh you know, they have those sound systems. As a matter of fact, I think the Hummer H3 has one. Of the, like you can determine the sound inside your car. So if it's an electric car, but you want it to sound like a Dodge Charger, you can get that throaty V8 kind of That's model. like
3: the equivalent of, like,
4: car catfishing or something. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like when they pumped in, uh, like, crowd noise during professional sports games that were televised.
0: Mm-hmm. During COVID when nobody was allowed in. Or NASCAR when they did the the virtual NASCAR thing.
1: You do realize if we run out of diesel, nobody's going to be going anywhere because diesel trucks deliver gas to your stations. Oh, no. Uh, nobody will be eating because diesel trucks deliver my food to, uh, to uh, Schulte's and Mosher's. Coming up five minutes from now, <laughs> I'm done. We're just going to bail out I'm, of that depressing factoid. Hey, listen, when I'm a, I'm a guy, man, when I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> this is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathart. In 2018,
0: when they tried to do it, we went to 54 states. Maybe,
1: maybe he comes by it honestly. And by because uh, there was this several years ago. About to every corner of the United States. Uh, I've now been in 57 states. I think one left to go. Not only did he say that's Barack Obama, uh, 57 states. Uh, But i got to get to one more. So he's doubling down on the 58 states, 57 states.
4: Bill says, what three states did Biden forget from Obama's (laughs) 57?
1: (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the show. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Here's a big old serving
0: of leftovers. Enjoy.
1: All right, leftovers. Some of the things we didn't get time to get to on the show this morning. So we like to open up the refrigerator and see what we have in the way of Leftovers. Steph, what you got?
3: Oh, I have some friends doing some fun stuff in Jefferson City tonight in my old neighborhood. I grew up on Greenberry, and I guess on the corner of Greenberry and Dixon, there'll be a Santa's workshop with a Santa passing out candy canes, and I think that's so fun for Halloween.
1: I love that. We suggested that Stephanie Bell should go as Santa Claus for Halloween, because you know who Stephanie Bell loves? Not Santa Not Santa Claus. Santa Claus.
3: I just think that's great. My sister, uh, there's a bar in Nashville that has that's Santa all the time. And I think every city should celebrate Christmas 24-7. So if you're feeling in the mood and you're not a real Halloween person like me, get to Greenberry.
4: I've seen TikTok accounts where they post Christmas-related content all year long. And the whole purpose is just to give you the warm fuzzies that you feel on Christmas. Oh, I like that.
1: Uh, hmm. This, while well, we were talking a little bit about the electric cars and this electric uh, electric, uh uh, car battery factory coming to Missouri. Uh, coal mine. This was in Germany. It was a couple of days ago, but a coal mine. Uh, they had to demolish a neighboring wind farm to boost their energy supply. <laughs> I call it like, well, we could get more coal, but the dang, uh, the dang wind things are on top. The wind turbines are on top, so they took out the wind turbines.
4: So when I was in high school, I went to Boone County, West Virginia for a, like a week long mission trip. And we went to this old coal mining town. And at that time, Obama was in office and had you know basically shut down all the coal mines. And it was kind of an interesting experience to be in a town where basically everyone worked in the coal mines. So basically the whole town was out of work Ugh. because Obama had shut down the coal mines and just everybody was poor and out of work. And it was really sad. The whole town was just run down because the coal mine had shut down
1: man uh hannah you got anything for leftovers pretty good over there i'm doing okay all right Marsh, what do you got How
0: about the one the creepy pre-halloween story in a kansas city neighborhood yesterday apparently somebody dug up some human remains in the backyard and people were saying hey this neighborhood isn't that bad and all and it turns <laughs> out the the guy who dug up the human remains the family dog ew Oh. Now Another reason not to
3: have a dog.
0: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what you've got hidden in the backyard,
1: I guess. <laughs> so this dog's just out in the backyard and shows up with the back glass sliding glass door and like a big old bone in his mouth and it's <laughs> like a femur from a human? <laughs>